We want to be as close to you as possible. Anticipating the day when you do drink with us in your kingdom. Lord, as we move on into a time of looking at your word, I pray over this new study, this new series we're doing, I pray that you would show us what you're doing, what you want from us, who we are as as the church, moving us to be your body here in the Northwoods. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'll grab my notes very quickly here. <clears throat> One of the, uh, boy, you know, you, you have those experiences, and I, and I hope I hope you have these experiences this year where you where you see God show up and it's just one of those holy moments. And I'm thinking like yesterday, you know, talking to these students and, uh, you know, one young guy came up to me and said, uh, my dad is gay. Is that like the unforgivable sin? And it's like being able to share, like there's, there's no unforgivable sin. You can be forgiven for anything. Share Christ with your dad. Or um, a young lady who, a uh, senior in high school who is wants to share faith with her friends and hasn't seen to come to Christ yet, and she's like, I just, I just want to see them accept Christ, and what, what's going on, and what's wrong with me, and I'm, you know, kind of like, why haven't they come to Christ yet, you know, and be able to encourage her, um, just, just amazing, and, and so, you know, I'm driving home from Green Bay last night, and, and it's a worship session, really, because... You see what the Lord does, and, and you just give thanks for it. So um, I just want—I wanted to say that you know, seeing the Lord work, I hope that you see it a lot this year as well, and that you just stop and praise Him for it for those holy times in your life. Um, here's what we're doing this year: uh, doing a new series called Missio Dei, which uh, is which means the mission of God. We're looking at the Book of Acts this year. I think this will take us all the way through summer. Uh, at about a chapter a week, sometimes two chapters a week. Uh, we'll be a little selective when we do that big of a chunk, but um, we're going to move through the book of Acts. Super excited about that. I, I think this is the right thing. I, I think where we're at as a church in America, it's always good to remind us like th- this is how the church started. And, and what, the, what their mission was is what our mission is. It's, it's the mission of God, and it's timeless. It doesn't change because God doesn't change. He's seeking and saving the lost. And so this week, I love starting the year talking about the mission of the church. Maybe you've heard me do this now three or four times, um, but, but I hope that every year it's like, this is it. This is what we want to do. This is who we are. This is what we're here in the Northwoods to accomplish. When I talk about mission, I, I hope you've heard me say this before, but this is our promise to the world. The mission statement of Three Lakes, Connect, Grow, Serve, this is our promise to people, to the world, that this is what we're going to do. This is who we're going to be. So I invite you to turn uh, to the book of Acts. Uh, chapter 1. Acts is a sequel to Luke. Uh, I don't know who arranged the Bible the way it was arranged. I was just thinking about that this morning. I, I don't know who chose the arrangement of the books. But I do know if I had done it, 
it should go Matthew, Mark, John, Luke, Acts. Because Luke is really a two-part deal. I mean, that's what it is. You've got the book of Luke, and then Luke wrote Acts. And, and you even see it in the first verses here. He says, in my former book, this is verse 1, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So, so you don't have in this part the most excellent Theophilus of, of Luke chapter 1, you know, where he's using some flowery language to uh, praise Theophilus. But, but I, I take it that this is a real guy, and Luke was writing to him, and, and this is just part two. This is, this is the sequel, you know? And, 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 and so what we're saying is, if Jesus did a lot of amazing things in Luke, now we see what the church does now that Jesus is gone. We're the body of Christ. So this is where we pick up the baton and we run with it. And so this is part two. So it says, um, verse three, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave the command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, um, I just want to set, up the, set it up a little bit here. I mean, this is part two. This is the sequel. And most movie sequels aren't really, really that good usually. But this is a good sequel. This is going to work. All right. This is not. Uh, what's what's a really bad sequel? I can't even. I can't even think. Um, anyway, it, there's a lot of bad sequels out there. Don't watch them. They're not worth. There's some good ones though. This is a good, good sequel. And so uh, what what Luke does is he says Jesus gave many convincing proofs over 40 days that he is who he said he is. Now, I want you to think about that. Because we don't get, we haven't seen Jesus personally. He's not giving convincing proofs to us. But what he did for them, think about what he did for them. Think about what he could have done. He could have like rose from the dead, went straight back to God, and then like showed up in dreams. He could have showed up in dreams and visions and said, look, I'm alive. He did that for Paul, right? I'm alive. You, see, you can see me, right? I'm actually alive. I'm in heaven. He could have told people that way. But instead, he strategically revealed himself to the, used to be 12, now 11 apostles and other people. And he'd say things like, you know, you can touch my hands. You can put your finger there. You know, you, that's kind of gross, right? You don't let people touch your body, do you? You know, like doctors maybe. But, but Jesus is like, you, you can put your finger in there. It's like, Saying, touch my fake eye, you know, like, put your, it's like, it's like okay, I, I know it's fake, I don't need to touch it, I get it, I get it, but go the extra step and actually touch it. You can see, and, and, and the reason he did that, of course, is because um, people don't come back from crucifixions. I mean, I mean, the Romans are pretty good at that. I, I'm guessing it's probably about a 100% kill rate here, you know, you're dead, and nobody's walking around with holes in their hands and their feet, except for Jesus. So it's like he's, he's proving it. At one point it says he, he eats food so that he can prove he's not a ghost. Ghosts don't eat. At least we don't think they I don't think they eat. But, but you know, he, he's proving himself over and over and over again. And, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, we live in an age of faith. Like, we just have to have faith. 
You know, Jesus said, you know, you've seen and believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. And we get on Thomas's case all the time, you know, doubting Thomas. He had to see. He had to touch Jesus, you know. But we get on his case, but, but maybe we should lighten a little bit, maybe a little bit, because this is part of Jesus' strategy. Jesus' strategy is, I'm going to convince people that I'm actually alive. And I've got to show them that I was crucified. They've got to see the marks. They've got to see me eat and know it's a physical body that I'm in. That this is what Jesus did. Today, when we talk about the mission we have as missionaries, as people who share our faith, the world often says things like, prove it. Prove it. You know? Uh, I was in my, uh, I was driving somewhere. I don't know where I was driving, but, but it, it was me. I think I was driving to Chicago, and, I, and my boy's in the back. And, uh, and I'm hearing, hearing my boys, they're not here so I can talk about them, it's okay. Um, and, and I'm hearing them kind of like making jokes about each other, but they're kind of funny, you know, and they're a little obnoxious, but I'm, I'm kind of like dealing with it. But, but they had a comeback. You know, like, you know how you have comebacks when you're a kid, you know, and, and they're just canned. They work every single time. Like, I know you are, but what am I, you know? Like, they're doing that kind of thing. And I'm like, that is so stupid. But I'm kind of like laughing in the front, but trying not to laugh because then they know I'm like enjoying it. You don't want to do that either, you know? Um, and so, and so I'm driving and I'm kind of listening to this and, the, and these awful comebacks. But then, but then one of them says, you know, he says something and he says, prove it. Prove it. And I'm like, I never heard that comeback. Prove it. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm smarter than you. Prove it, you know? And I'm like, that's kind of funny, you know? Like, prove it. But, but that's what the world does. You, 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 say you, believe, you say a person come back to life, prove it. You say you worship this invisible God, prove it. I mean, I mean, that's something I think you probably all heard at some point. He proved it. He proved it. Well, we can tell people, and I encourage you to say this to people. When people say prove it, you can say he did. He showed himself to Peter. He showed himself to John. He said, touch my hands. You can put your hand in my side where they, where they speared me. No. Prove it. Yes, we can. We can. People want evidence. Well, the people that wrote the Bible saw him. And they were willing to die for him. So, you know, some people say, well, I don't believe what the Bible says. Well, I think our culture is so story-driven. You know, we love movies. We love stories. And I think we can take it back to this level of, look at the apostles. They're the witnesses. Jesus' strategy was, I'm going to prove myself 100% to a certain group of people, and then those people are going to go out and tell everybody else. And, and we're part of the everybody else. And so we can say, no, I didn't see him, but Peter saw him. John saw him. And they wrote about it, and I totally trust those guys. I totally trust those guys. That is the eyewitness testimony of the apostles and others who saw him. I think we can prove it. Now, I know there's still faith involved because I didn't see it. It's always going to be about faith. I, I get that. But it's a grounded faith. Um, so I want to move on. Uh, 
main idea this morning is that our mission of sharing this resurrection story, our mission is motivated by the promises of God. The promises of God. So I want to talk about a couple big promises here in Acts that should be moving us, encouraging us, challenging us to share our faith and to be active in the mission of God. Um, this is it. So um, he promises in verse 5, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or dates, the Father had set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this is the first promise. The first promise is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a place where we would disagree a little bit with our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. Love them. I can worship with them. We can praise Jesus together. But many of them teach that you have to also wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That, that, that it comes at a certain time. That you need to ask for it. That, that you get saved and then later you get baptized. But that's not the biblical teaching. You look at 1 Corinthians uh, 11, 12, um, and, and, and you see that all are baptized in one spirit, into one body. And the word is all. There's no, there's not two levels of Christianity. There's only one level of Christianity, and that's we've all been baptized. All of us. You need, what Jesus is saying here is, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to be my witnesses. And I think that's a good order to keep in mind. I've got to, I've got to become a Christian, and at that moment I become a Christian, I get the Holy Spirit. I'm plunged into the Holy Spirit, and now I have power to share. Over and over in Acts, what we're going to see is the Holy Spirit's going to get involved and people are going to share their faith. That's how it looks. Now, now, now you can be filled up with the Spirit at different times in your life. There's many fillings. But there's one baptism, and it happens to you one time, and that's the power you need to share your faith. So, some of you, I'm sure, have said to yourself, like I have, I really need a good evangelism class to share my faith. Or, I, I really need to be able to talk gooder to share my faith. <laughs> you know? Or, I really need to know the Bible so well so that when they ask me that unbelievably hard question, I'll have an answer. Or I've got Niall on text message here. I'll just text message. Just, just hold on. Keep asking your question. Yeah, hold on. You know, <laughs> like, 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 like I need that. You know, and Google's great. Google's great. You can Google your question, and there's Christians out there that have probably answered it, right? I mean, that's awesome. But in the moment, it's kind of weird to say, "Let me Google that first. I know you got a good question. I, I never thought about. You know, <laughs> I, I know. But all, all that should be. That, 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 I get that. Evangelism classes are great. I've taken them. I've taken them in seminary. I took them in Bible school. I've taken them in churches. Great stuff. I've done conferences where I take students to learn how to share their faith. But that's not the primary means of sharing your faith. You don't need a class as much as you need the Holy Spirit to work in you to share it. And oh, by the way, you've got Him all the time. You may not have a smartphone with Google on it so that you can look up the answer to the unbelievably hard question. 
but you have the Holy Spirit to help you speak in that moment. And you can say, hey, let me grab my Bible. I'll, I'll come back to you tomorrow with that because that, that's a great question and i got to think about where that's at in the Bible. i got to look that up. You, you can say things like that, but the Holy Spirit's going to give you words in that moment. You don't need a class as much as you need spirit power. And I, and I love that the disciples said, um, as soon as Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, they said, um, this is verse, uh, what, 4? Uh, where am I at? On one occasion, he's uh, giving the command. And then verse 6, they met together and they said, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So, so he's like, I'm promising you spirit power. Great, we'll take the political power, please. You know, like, like, like that's immediately where their minds go. And I know as a church, when we talk about power and influence in the world, when we think kingdom of God, it's very tempting to go do exactly what they did and say, it's, it's, it's political, right? It's like we're going to change America, right? Through elections, right? That's what we do, right? You know, and it's like, no, that's not it. Jesus didn't promise political power. He promised spirit power. Spiritual power. He didn't promise us political power. And, and I know I'm, I'm really happy and thankful when Christians are in positions of power in this country. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You know what I mean? Like so, so I get that and I pray for that and I want that just like you do. But that's not the promise that motivates us, is it? That's something else. The promise that motivates us to do the work of the church and share the gospel with people is spiritual power. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You have a power source that you don't need to plug into. It's always there. It's always there. And yes, we'll probably have more classes and we'll have more helps in the process. Helps are good. Gospel tracts are good. Spirit's the best. And you got them all the time. And so there's no reason not to step into this and, and, and believe that He's there. Believe that He's there. I mean, that's how I'm preaching today. I hate feeling dizzy, and I do feel a little bit of relief, so thank you for praying. Uh, right now, I do feel relief, uh, some of, a little bit. Um, but, but you just got to go into it like that. He's going he's gonna to show up. Um. Can I have you bounce down to, um, I know it's not this way in your notes, but I, I want to address uh, another part of your notes where it talks about the strategy. If you look at your notes in front of you, the strategy. Uh, Jesus gives a great strategy. I mean, th- this is like, this is the game plan. This is the war plan. This is how we're going to take the gospel to people. He says in verse 8, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I just want to talk about that. By the way, Many scholars have said, that's the outline for the book of Acts. Ground zero is Jerusalem, you know? And then it goes out, Judea. Then it goes Samaria. And then it goes the world with the, with, with the mission trips of the Apostle Paul. I mean, ground zero, Jerusalem. And then boom, it goes out. But there's a word for us here too. Because their strategy, I would argue, is also our strategy. When he says Jerusalem, Judea, when he says Samaria and the ends of the earth, I would translate it this way for you in our context. Jerusalem, Judea, this is across the street. Who do you got to share Jesus with? The people across the street, your neighbors. These are people that, that are a lot like you in many ways. 
they love the Packers. They're, they're like you, you know. Um, they're going to cheer them on today. You might be invited to their parties. They don't know Jesus, but you're going to the party you're going to cheer. They're going to your kids' birthday parties. You're going to the same sporting events. You're attending the same community functions. You see them around the area. These are your people. These are Northwoods people. Oh, we can go back to Jerusalem and Judea still. I don't want to talk there yet. Okay. Um, these are your people. They're, they're, they're just like you, except they're not at all like you. And therein is the danger. These people are living across the street. They cheer the same teams. They go to the same functions. They like cheese just like you do. You know, they're, they're, they're so much like you, and yet you've got to stop yourself from going too far there and say, no, they're nothing like me because they don't know Jesus. They're lost. They're going to go to hell. I'm not going to see them at all once we die. I'm not going to see them ever again. And that's got to stop you in your tracks. They're across the street now, but they won't be across the street in heaven. Now the good news is, you already relate to them in many different ways. You might already be doing breakfast with them. You know, you're the guys that work. You see them. And so you've got a great in with them. They know you, you know them. There's a trust there maybe. That's awesome. You can show that you love them. You can talk to them. There's a good relationship there. Now you've got to bring up Jesus. Now you invite him to church. Every Sunday we try to share the gospel here. I'm sure I've missed sometimes. I know that I have. But, but, but my agreement is I'm going to try to share the gospel almost every single time because I know there's always an opportunity for people to hear and respond. Go across the street. And now you've got Samaria. Um, go to Samaria. Go, uh, go across the tracks. Now, if you're young, you might not know what that means. And if you've lived in a rural town your whole life, maybe you don't know what across. But you know what across the tracks means, right? You know, those people that live on that side of town. You know, the weird people, the, the, the people that are, you know, it, these are the people that are not a lot like you. They don't live like you. Their house doesn't look a lot like yours. They don't talk like you. Sometimes you're embarrassed to be around them. They might even drive you crazy. And maybe you've been asking yourself for years, why are there so many people in my life that drive me nuts? And God says, Samaria. That's why. You know? I mean, I mean that's it. That's it. If you've ever asked yourself why people drive you nuts, it's not just because you're cranky. That might be part of it. But, but um, it's because God's brought people, He's brought Samaritans into your life. Now, you know Samaritans in the Bible, right? Like, you know why I'm talking like this, right? Because Samaritans, Samaritans were like half-Jews. Not the purebred Jews. They're half-Jews. They're considered the dogs. A lot of racist stuff going on there. Don't travel through Samaria. You travel around Samaria. Those people we don't hang with. And there's some people in your life, I imagine, that you know, that you see, and you say, they drive me nuts, they're not like me, I'm embarrassed when I'm around them, Uh, they talk, and God's like, that's exactly it, that's your Samaritan. Go. Don't complain about them, reach out to them. That's Samaria, that's a good strategy. And then lastly, uh, to the ends of the earth, so you're going to go across the world. Some of you will go on short-term mission trips to a different country, have a cross-cultural experience. You may be going to encourage the church. 
and you'll be encouraged in return, a little mutual edification building up there, you may be going to share the gospel with somebody across the world. Our own Illyriana will be sharing in a, in a few weeks on, on going to Uganda. She'll be serving a bit with um, Pastor Daniel, uh, who you've met here, a friend of mine, a friend of ours. Um, she'll be sharing, I think, first week of February. Um, ends of the earth. Ends of the earth. This is where we go. I know not everybody's called to make it to be like the vocational go out and stay there. But I, I'd love to encourage you to think about doing at least one short-term missions trip in your life. And, and again, you go to give and you also go to receive. God will do amazing things in your life. You'll see Christians in a different context. But you're going to know their family. I, I just encourage that. Cross the world. Ends of the earth. I think that's Jesus' strategy here. I think that's Jesus' evangelism class right here in a nutshell. So now we come to the second promise, and that is in uh, 9 through 11. Uh, it says, Jesus said, after he said this, he was taken up from them before their very eyes. Kind of important, Jesus' ascension here. It's mentioned twice here mentioned in Luke, you know, so it's kind of like a big deal. Taken up before their eyes, a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you've seen him go into heaven. The second promise is Jesus is coming back and that means we're on a timetable. We don't have forever. He could come back today. And so we, I, I, I know we're not supposed to be like rude and like, you're all going to hell and you need to repent today. You know, the end of the world is near. I know we're not doing that. But we need to have a little bit of urgency that we're on a timetable. The church can't be, see, see, we're waiting for Jesus to come back, but we're not passive. We're not in the waiting room reading a magazine. It's not passive waiting. It's active waiting. We've got to get some stuff done because he's coming back. It's kind of like with the kids at home, right? You know, uh, Mom's coming home. Get your rooms cleaned up. She's going to be looking at them pretty quick, you know. <laughs> um, right? He's, he's coming back. Are we ready? Have you shared your faith? We've got, we got to do that. We're, we're on a timetable. And, and there, I love it because it's in the context of the ascension. They're looking up into the sky. And Jesus just left. And I think the idea is they're just staring. You, you, you ever watch someone watch TV? Like you're not watching, you're looking, watching them watch TV and their mouth's like open? Christy loves to point that out to me, you know. <laughs> She's like, Niall, close your mouth. <laughs> okay, all right. It's just action-packed, you know. <laughs> um, but, but, but we live in a world of screens, right? TV screen, iPad, your phone, and you look at it, you know, you're... You're just looking. And it's passive. I mean, you might be thinking and reading too. I mean, I, I do that too. But, but it, it can be very passive. And, and that's, the, that's the disciples. You know? Giant iPad in the sky. You know, I don't know. Um, and the angels say, why are you looking up here? You know? I, I wish they would have said, get busy, people. You know, he's coming back. Let's go. <laughs> um, but, but that's the feeling I get when I think about the ascension. Why are you looking He's going to come back. And remember, the context of Acts 1 is mission. 
Mission, mission, mission. The Holy Spirit's coming. I'm going to send you out. And then he goes up into the sky and, and, and the angels say, stop looking at us. He's coming back. Okay, what are we supposed to do? Well, first of all, you've got to wait for the Holy Spirit. And then he's going to come. That's next week. Now get out there. That's the encouragement for the church today. Get out there. Get started. He's coming back. It could be today. It could be today. we got work to do. Can't be passive. Can't stare at a screen. We've got stuff to get done. Build relationships with people. Talk about Jesus sometimes, you know. Invite them to church. Be active. Pray for them. Um, I want to uh, review our mission, our strategy in this church at the bottom of your, of your uh, notes. We exist to connect and grow and serve. That's not just a mission statement. It's not just nice words. It's actually a strategy. This is how we do this at this church. We want to connect people to Jesus Christ. That means we've got to share the gospel with people. That means I hope people... And so what, what I've shared here is um, when we talk about connecting people to Jesus, evangelizing, we have a plan for this church on kind of what that looks like when people first come in here. All right? Now, you have to personally evangelize. That, that's your own thing, you know, personal evangelism. But part of it is we've got to have a plan for how we do it here. And I think here how, how it happens is church-wide, people come in and they attend a worship service and they hear the gospel. People respond to the gospel here because we proclaim it from the front. I think the, I think the gospel also shows up when people stay to have conversations. So you don't run out the door as fast as you can. I mean, I, I, I get that. Some people need to do that and, and, and you're, you're, maybe you have anxiety over staying with God's people. We're nice. You know, I'd encourage you to just think about staying. Think about staying. Have a cup of coffee downstairs. Get in some conversations. You may say something to somebody, and then they're, they're going to say to you, I want to pray for you right now. And then you're like, oh, my God, I knew this was going to happen, you know. Um, but, but let them pray for you. You're going to see that happen here during those conversations. And then we have cross-training, that sermon discussion. Stay and talk about what you heard right now. You can give me feedback. You can throw the challenge flag. You know, we let, we, let, we let you do that here. We don't have challenge flags, but you can do that. We can talk about this together. We can connect. Um, and then there's growing. We want you to grow to be like Christ. To grow, um, this is our plan. This is kind of our plan. Uh, we would love new disciples or really anybody new to the church to go through a 10-week discipleship course called Rooted. We'll be talking more about that uh, in a week or two here, and when we're going to offer that again. Ten-week uh, experiential discipleship course. It's awesome. Many of you did it because we did it two year, a uh, year and a half ago, like all together. We were like all did it as a church. We also think you should get involved in community groups. Be involved in a small group. Be prayed for. Uh, part of the care and the love you're going to experience at this church has to happen outside of Sunday. We can't do it all on Sunday. Sunday's like you're here an hour and a half, two hours tops. We think you need more. Connect with people in their homes. We'll be offering those soon too. And then we'd love for you to take the next step and say, I'm all in. I'm a member. Become a member. We have a membership class. Share your testimony. Become a member. I'm all in. And then lastly, we exist to serve people. And we do that both in the church and in the community. We want people serving like at the soundboard. 
serving, uh, you know, whatever, worship team in the church, Sunday school teachers in the church, but also it's huge in the community too. So like giving people warm socks in December, serve in the community, deliver firewood. I, I think, sometimes I think winter at this church we're like at our best because there's always a need to be warm and we do warm things here. I think it's awesome. Serving in the community. Inviting the community to come here like in playgroup. I mean, these are the things we are doing as a church and we've got to keep doing them. This is our mission. And if we're doing something that doesn't fit, connect, grow, serve, we've got to put it on the chopping block. It's just got to be. Because we've got too many important things to do than to do things that don't really fit the mission. And we want to be a simple church. We don't want to be busy doing a hundred things. We want to do a few things very powerfully and very well. Let's do those things well. So I hope you've been encouraged today. Um, I'm encouraged that I feel a little better. I'm praising God for that. Um, I want to pray for you. I want to pray over our year and then invite the worship team to come up and lead us one more time. Father, we... We're so glad to be your people. We're so glad that there's a sense in which when you said, be my witnesses, you were talking to the the apostles, right? You were talking to the first disciples. But then we know they passed the baton to the next generation. And they pass it down, and they pass it down, and they pass it down. And here we are taking the baton. No, we didn't get to see Jesus rise from the dead. That's a bummer. But, but we know the people that did see Jesus rise from the dead. So, Father, help us proclaim Your Son well. Help us run with the baton well. Help us bring Jesus into our conversations. Help us love people, that universal language, that love. Help us love people so well that they know there's just something very strange about us and they want to know what it is. Would you help us be your witnesses? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.